every episode of this podcast is about true things that have happened at some point or another on this planet. Each episode is different than the next, and they are each centered around stories that are odd, outlandish, or of the occult. This podcast will include foul language. This podcast may also include themes of graphic content such as murder, rape, or gore. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello everyone and welcome to the Halloween special of Seven Circles. I am Autumn and this is... Dirty Dan. We will be talking about the origins of Halloween and other things Halloween-y in this episode. Did you just greet my penis? Halloween-y. <laughs> that, that was my penis. <laughs> Can confirm it does make noises. Yeah. What, what is a dick fart called, do you think? A dweef? <laughs> God. Oh, it's, we're setting a tone. Right, carry on. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was my tweet. Oh, okay. So let's start with the origin of Halloween, shall we? Halloween began as Samhain. And this is a fun word that is not at all pronounced how it is spelled. How is it spelled? S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Samhain. Samhain. No, it's Samhain. So ancient Celts, like 2,000 years ago, began to celebrate Samhain as the last day of harvest. People in villages would spend all day gathering the last of the harvest, and that night they would have a big bonfire and feast. The Celts thought that this night was also the one night of the year when the veil between the afterlife and this one was most thin, and they thought that the dead could hear them the loudest at this time. So they spent the night in heavy prayer and meditation as well. Yeah, probably eating a lot of shrooms, salvia, and nightshades. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To better see beyond the veil. Exactly. Yeah. So the Celts would also dress up as animals and monsters so they could confuse the fairies because apparently those guys were hardcore all about Samhain too. And the fairies loved to kidnap humans back then so the humans would just run around feasting and praying dressed like a cow or whatever. Are the fairies not into that anymore? What? The kidnapping of humans. I don't know, man. I haven't heard of any stories of uh, humans being kidnapped by fairies recently, have you? I don't know. We just finished watching Dharma. (laughs) Fuck off, dude. I tried so hard not to laugh. (laughs) Gotcha. So, around the 7th century BC, the fucking Catholics were like, November 1st is now All Saints Day. And by the 9th century, the Catholics began to usurp the Celt gods that they had been worshipping for like 43 million years. There or thereabouts. In 1000 AD, the church made November 2nd All Souls Day, a day to honour the dead. It's widely believed today that the church was attempting to replace the Celtic festival of the dead with a related church-sanctioned holiday. The All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hallow Mass, and the night before it, the traditional night of Samhain in the Celtic religion, began to be called All Hallows Eve and eventually Halloween, because... They sound the same. Over many centuries, the three holidays, All Saints Day, All Souls Day and Samhain, essentially merged into one. 
Halloween. In England and Ireland, during All Saints Day and All Souls Day celebrations, poor people would visit the houses of wealthier families and receive pastries called soul cakes in exchange for a promise to pray for the souls of the homeowner's dead relatives. Known as souling, the practice was later taken up by children who would go from door to door asking for gifts such as food, money, and ale, an early form of trick-or-treating. I'm going to start giving ale to trick-or-treaters. Okay. Yeah. That's probably not a good idea, but sure. Well, you know, you're right. You'd see the razor blades floating in that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, and the ecstasy tablets. Yeah, god damn it. Yeah. Um, but but souling, tell me about this. It kind of sounds like sounding. No. Or edging. No. No? So so nothing's getting inserted into my penis here. No, but that just reminds me, some band just released an album called Edging, I think. They did? Yeah. Okay. Is is that how you make your dick fart? <laughs> I don't know. With, by, by putting things inside of your penis? Oh, God. Probably, maybe, I don't know. Okay. Can we move on now, please? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never done that. That would be gross. Fuck. So, the practice of carving faces into vegetables became associated with Halloween in Ireland and Scotland around the 1800s. Jack-o'-lanterns originated from an Irish myth about a man named Stingy Jack, who tricked the devil and was forced to roam the earth with only a burning coal and a turnip to light his way. What the fuck? A turnip? Why not a potato? And why are the bad guys always called Jack? We've got the Ripper, we had Springheel... And now stingy. <laughs> that's a good point. I don't know, it's a good name. Is it though? It's a good strong name. It's a good strong name. It's a good yeah. good British name. Yeah, it's a good good British name, Governor. But okay. Now I need to know who Stingy Jack is. Well let me tell you, Dan. Oh story time. Story time. A long, long time ago in a country far, far away, Ireland. There lived this douchebag that everyone called Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack was a troublesome alcoholic. He was known best for hanging out in pubs so that he could deceive and manipulate them out of their coin. Apparently, Stingy Jack was so skilled at duping drunks out of their money that Satan heard about it. Legendary. One night, Jack was on a drunk adventure through the countryside when the devil himself jumped up out of the bushes at him. I heard tell of a serpent here in this land that could talk any man into giving up the last of his coin. The devil said to Jack, No mortal could possibly be a better manipulator than me, the Dark Lord. You belong in hell. Nobody is a better liar than me. I must be rid of you, for I shall have no competition. Jack, realizing that this was probably the end of him, decided to make a deal with Satan. So he said, I see you want to take me to hell with you. But first, can I have one more night of drinking at the pub? The devil was like, Okay, So they sat down at the bar and Jack proceeded to drink more than he had ever drank before. You ever hear that song, 99 Bottles of Beer? That's what Jack had. No, I haven't heard it. How does that go? You haven't heard that song? No, go on. Um, 
99 bottles of beer on the wall, 99 bottles of beer. You take one down and pass it around, 98 bottles of beer on the wall. Yeah, no, I had heard it. I just wanted to hear your angelic voice. Oh, it was wonderful. So anyway, they drank until the sun began to poke its head over the horizon. And when it was time to leave, Jack asked Satan to pay the tab. And Satan was like, I don't have my coin on me right now. And Jack, without skipping a beat, said, Why don't you just turn yourself into a gold coin? I'll use it to pay the bartender. And when he's no longer looking, you can just change back. And Satan just did it. He transformed into a gold coin. Jack grabbed the Satan coin and shoved it into his pocket. Next to his crucifix. Skills. Jack had a little crucifix necklace that his mom gave him, and he always carried it in his pocket to remind him of her. And the little cross pressing up against the Satan coin in Jack's pocket was enough to trap Satan and keep him from changing back into a demon. It was at this point that Satan knew he had fucked up. And it was also at this point that Jack struck a new deal with the devil. I'll let you go if you let me have just ten more years. And Satan was like, Okay, sure. And he was let out of the pocket, and he fucked off back to hell, leaving Jack alone. I feel like Satan was not the master manipulator here, really. <laughs> I mean, he could have just got out of the pocket and then really fucked up Jack's day, couldn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's tricky Jack. Yeah, but it's like, Satan is not a man of his word, I guess is what I'm getting at. <laughs> okay, so ten years later, Jack was walking the same cobblestone path that he was on the last time Satan had appeared to him. And, what do you know, Satan jumps out the bushes again. Stingy Jack, tricky Jack, here I am back for your soul. And Jack was like, Okay, I'm ready. Then he pointed out a small grove of apple trees nearby. I will come willingly with you, but first, can I just have one last juicy apple? And Satan was like, They reach the bottom of the nearest tree, and Jack goes, Can you get up there and toss us down a few? My knees are not what they used to be ten years ago. And so Satan climbed up the tree. When he picked the best apples he could find, he went to drop them down to Jack. And this is when the Dark Lord noticed that Jack had surrounded the tree with crucifixes. Sneaky Jack! Satan was furious at his own foolishness and demanded to be released. Jack said, Okay, but this time you can never have me at all. At all, at all, at all, at all, at all. After I let you go, I never want to see you again, or any of your minions. I will be going to heaven. And Satan agreed. Jack set him free and Satan fucked off. Eventually, though, all the drinking caught up with Stingy Jack and he died. When he got to heaven, he tried to pass the gates, but God was like, Oh, hell no. You have been a piece of shit your entire life, and I think you even raped an unwilling goat once. Be gone to hell where you belong. But I've got to know, how do you tell if a goat is willing? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's a punchline there somewhere. No, I I genuinely wanted oh. to know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Who cares? Okay, well, moving on. The goat fucking cares, Autumn. obviously, obviously. Wow. Okay, 
So God drop-kicked Jack straight down to hell. When he got to the entrance, though, Satan was sitting there waiting. Hey, they won't let me into heaven. Can I hang out down here instead? And Satan was like, No, we had a deal. No hell for you, fool. And he handed Jack a magic ember and said, You'll never have a home in the afterlife, but this will help light your way. Jack took the ember and stuck it into a hollowed-out turnip and has been roaming the in-between places ever since with his magical jack-o'-lantern to help see in the darkness. And that is the story of Stingy Jack. Well, now I want to start carving turnips instead of pumpkins. All right, let's do that. Okay. They're pretty hard. Oh, yeah, huh? They're, they're harder than pumpkins. Not yeah. that pumpkins aren't hard, but... How very British. So... By the end of the 12th century, October 31st and November 1st had become holy days of obligation in Western Christianity and involved such traditions as ringing church bells for souls in purgatory. It was also customary for criers dressed in black to parade the streets, ringing a bell of mournful sound and calling on all good Christians to remember the poor souls. The All Hallow Tide, aka Hallow's Eve, custom of baking and sharing soul cakes for all Christian souls, had been suggested as the origin of trick-or-treating. The custom dates back at least as far as the 15th century and was found in parts of England, Wales, Flanders, Bavaria and Austria. Groups of poor folks, often children, would go door-to-door during All Hallow Tide, collecting these soul cakes in exchange for praying for the dead, especially the souls of the giver's friends and relatives. As we already said, this was called souling. Soul cakes were offered for the souls themselves to eat, or the soulers would act as their representatives. <laughs> the soulers. What about the soul eaters? Is that a Harry Potter thing? Probably. Oh. Do they like smooth metal rods in their piss hole? Nobody likes that. They don't? Uh, I guess some people do. I don't fucking know. This is not what this is about. We're talking about Halloween, not kinks. Halloween? Yeah. It is hollow. That's why you can put things in it. Have you never seen that video of the chick getting fucked in the piss hole? Oh my god, stop. I've seen those videos. No, there's there's only one. No, there's... there's, No, there's there's only one where it's actually a dick in the piss hole. No, we're not going to do that. And then she, like, does a little kind of lumpy, creamy piss afterwards. (gasps) Why why are you grossed out? She doesn't eat it. So anyway... Okay, we're going to talk about something else now. Christian minister Prince Sori Conte... Conte? Conte. Conte? Conte. Conte? Sure. He linked the wearing of costumes to the belief in vengeful ghosts. And he said, It was traditionally believed that the souls of the departed wandered the earth until All Saints Day, and All Hallows Eve provided one last chance for the dead to gain vengeance on their enemies before moving to the next world. In order to avoid being recognized by any soul that might be seeking such vengeance, people would don masks or costumes. So... Many Christians in mainland Europe, especially in France, believe that once a year, on Halloween, the dead of the churchyards rose for one wild, hideous carnival known as the Dance Macabre. The Dance Macabre was sometimes enacted in European village pageants and court mosques, 
with people dressing up as corpses from various strata of society. And this may be the origin of Halloween costume parties. It was not until after mass Irish and Scottish immigration in the 19th century that Halloween became a major holiday in America. And this statement kind of confuses me. I, I didn't write it. Like, there were no non-Native Americans here to celebrate Halloween in any form until the European white man was here. But whatever. So there was a mass immigration in the 19th century of specifically Irish and Scottish people. And they brought it over before then with all the, uh, the British and shit. They didn't, they didn't fucking celebrate it. <laughs> Words. <laughs> Shut up. Anywho. Most American Halloween traditions were inherited from the Irish and Scots, though in Cajun areas, a nocturnal mass was said in cemeteries on Halloween night. Candles that had been blessed were placed on graves, and families sometimes spent the entire night at the graveside of loved ones. Originally confined to these immigrant communities, it was gradually assimilated into mainstream society and was celebrated coast to coast by people of all social, racial and religious backgrounds by the early 20th century. Then, through American influence, these Halloween traditions spread to many other countries by the late 20th and 21st century, including mainland Europe. Correct me if I'm wrong. You never really celebrated Halloween growing up, did you, Dan? I mean, not, not in the way that you guys do. Or in the way that a lot of people in Europe do. How but did you some. Do it? I mean, I, I I went trick-or-treating once that I recall. Um, I think it was like, I think it was with my, uh, my scout group, maybe. Um, and, you know, at school there would be stuff and things. But, yeah, like, it's not like my parents ever took me out trick-or-treating, no. What kind of um, Halloween treats did you guys have over there? Oh, you know, um, turnips and sprouts. Okay. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if we went trick-or-treating around the, the richer neighbourhoods, we might get like a a nice cup of tea. Cup of? Yeah, and, you know, some, some crumpets. Yeah. Some scones with whipped cream and oh, strawberries. Oh, shit. Damn. Yeah. Sometimes like they just fucking throw a whole fucking portion of fish and chips oh, in, fuck, your, in your basket. I should have grown up in fucking England. That sounds dope. Yeah, it's good. Sometimes they like fucking throw a black pudding in there, oh. or you know, I mean, sometimes they just fucking like kind of slide a whole fucking English breakfast off a plate into your into your <laughs> little bucket. It was a good time, man. Good time. I love Halloween. I always have. Uh, ever since I was little, my parents would send me off to my grandma's when I was too young to celebrate, though. And they would throw costume parties. So my grandma lived next door when I was like three or four, and I could see the party raging in the backyard from her window. I remember all these grown-ups and homemade costumes because it was the 80s, and lots of grown women dressed like sexy cats for some reason. Sounds to me like your parents are swingers, Autumn. Maybe they were. And I remember wanting so badly to go hang out and dress up too that I cried and I threw a fit. <laughs> Not much changes, does it, really? Shut up. <laughs> and what that? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's my life. That's that's what I do, because I'm so high maintenance. <laughs> right? Yeah. So are you going to pay for me to get my nails and hair done this weekend? Uh, sure. Oh, cool. All right. Um. Oh, yeah, my poor Mormon grandmother. <laughs> 
She had the literal spawn of Satan screaming at her kitchen window about wanting to be friends with the cat ladies. I mean, I don't blame you. I kind of want to be friends with the cat ladies, too. They sound like a good time. The 1980s, like, 1984, like, cocained out fucking sexy cat ladies. Oh, yeah, you know, the fucking big bouffant hair and the fucking Uh massive bush. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Picking that shit out of your teeth for days. Okay. As I got older, my mom would make me costumes so that I could trick-or-treat. She was a badass at making costumes on a zero-dollar budget. One year, I think I was like 10, she made me a badass Freddy Krueger costume using mainly cardboard and foil. I think the only thing she spent money on was the face paint scar putty stuff. And she did an amazing job putting it on, too. That costume is definitely in my top five. Are there pictures? I need pictures. I don't have any pictures. I have, like, no pictures left. Eek. Of anything. So... Did you go to Halloween parties as an adult, at least, Dan? I know British people have fancy dress parties all year round, right? What the fuck, man? Everyone has fancy dress parties all year round. Shit, America puts a whole ass gang in fancy dress and sends them around the world to murder the innocent. But yes, I did go to Halloween parties as an adult. Shit, I went to a Sarween gathering or two in the woods. An ex of mine was a pagan. No shit. Shit. I must know more. Um, I mean, what would you like to know? She had massive tits and her eyes were slightly too far apart and she had these tiny little teeth. No, I don't care what she looked like. Oh. Like, what was the the Samhain parties like? Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't as much fun as it sounds. Oh. It was just a bunch of fucking hippies in the wood, like, drinking mead from horns and stuff. Oh. But, yeah, I would usually just go as Hunter Thompson. Because all it really requires besides my daily attire is a Vegas sun visor, my aviators, and a cigarette holder. Standard. I've seen you. Yes. It, it's what I do. Mm-hmm. That's his costume every year. Yep. But yeah, I went to this Halloween party in a club in London uh, that has since shut down for health and safety reasons. When you walk into London Bridge Underground Station from the Thames side, just past the photo booth, you'll notice a random door. Well... On Friday and Saturday nights, that door would have a bouncer. And past the door was a club beneath the station in this fucking cavernous space from like the 1700s with a ceiling like 100 feet above you, massive archways and shit. It was cool. And off the main space, there were loads of passages that led nowhere but were a great place to go and fuck. That sounds awesome. It's so fucking cool, man. I can't remember what that club was called. Uh, Yeah, anyway, it was fucking dope. And yeah, here too, I was dressed as Hunter Thompson, and everyone kept asking if I had any drugs, which, as luck would have it... You had all the drugs! I had all the drugs! (laughs) I once went to a Halloween rave dressed like Blossom from the Powerpuff Girls. Clearly, I wanted to be Buttercup, but the other two girls were like, No, you are our leader, so you have to be Blossom. And at the end of the night, it didn't matter who was who, because we were a hit at that rave. Sadly, some of the best costumes I ever wore were from a time before the digital era, so I have zero photographic evidence of a lot of them. Weak. Your mum couldn't have crafted a camera from cardboard and tinfoil? I mean, probably, if she put her mind to it. I don't know, man. That's not a lot of mind, is it? She used to make sandals out of newspaper. Yeah. Did she also, like, go hunting aliens and shit? Yeah, that back when she was awesome, yeah. Okay. So what is she now? 
She's my mom, and I love her. We love you, mom. Yeah, I know you're listening. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, you fucked up, man. <laughs> it was at this moment that Autumn knew she fucked up. Anyways. Oh, and this one time, I took my wedding dress from my first marriage and covered it with fake blood and just wandered around Fry Street and didn't for a few hours. I don't even think it was Halloween. See? Non-Halloween fancy dress. In America. I bet you got a good deep dicking that night, huh? Actually, I did. <laughs> Congratulations! Thanks! So, I could literally sit here and talk about every single Halloween costume I have worn in the past 40 years, but y'all are not here for that. I mean, I kind of am here for it, Autumn. Stick around after the credits if you want to hear about it, you sexy bastards. Let's segue into murders that have happened on Halloween. Uh, should we really talk about those? We're not famous enough to get caught yet. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. What murders? I don't know. No, we, we don't do those. We're going to talk about these murders, though. Here we go. Man, can you imagine how many listens our podcast's going to get once we're in jail? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're uh, talking about. No. No. No, it's like that one time. It's like that one time where we like went and shat in Trump's peanut butter. <laughs> didn't happen. Definitely didn't happen. Okay, so murders that we didn't commit. On Halloween 2004, roommates Adrian Sona, Leslie Mazzara, and Lauren Mianza had decided to call it a night after they had finished handing out candy to trick or treaters. The three 26-year-old women shared a house on Dorset Street in Napa Valley, California. They all went to bed around 11pm because they were super fucking fun ladies and Lauren's bedroom was on the first floor while Leslie and Adriana had rooms upstairs on the second floor. At about 2am, Lauren was awoken by strange noises coming from upstairs. She tiptoed out of her room to investigate the noise. This is the moment when she heard the most chilling scream that she would ever hear in her life and it was coming from upstairs. Next, she heard the sound of breaking glass and heavy footsteps thudding down the stairs. Lauren immediately fucked off out the house through the back door and hid in the backyard. She stayed ducked behind a bush until she heard the intruder leave the house through the same window he broke into. I don't know, Dan. If I break into a house through a window, like, when I'm ready to fuck off, I think I would just use a door. Yeah, that's because you're smart. Smartest person in the world. <laughs> Which world? My world. Correct. So when Lauren felt safe enough to do so, she ran back inside to check on Leslie and Adrian. Leslie was laying face down in a puddle of blood in the doorway to her bedroom. Adrian was crouched next to Leslie's bed, alive, but bleeding out from multiple stab wounds. Lauren tried to use a landline to dial 911, but the connection was dead. So guess what she did? She grabbed her cell phone and got in her car and drove off. She thought the killer would come back, so she just left. And she was able to dial 911 with her cell phone, though, so that's nice. Sounds like that weak-ass dude in the last episode. The guy that just drove off in his boat to save getting killed while all the kids sat around oh, getting yeah. murdered. Yeah, that fucking guy. But he was saving people, though. Saving the people. Mm -hmm. When emergency services arrived, Leslie was pronounced dead at the scene. Adrian was still holding on, barely, so she was rushed to the hospital, but she died on the way there. 
Police interviewed about 1,000 people in relation to this case and ran DNA evidence that was left on a camel Turkish gold cigarette butt found outside the home. Lauren never actually saw the attacker, so she could not help ID the man. So for the next 11 months, investigators tried very hard to solve the case. But they had shit all to go on. They really did not stand a chance at solving this case. Why are we assuming that it was a man? Um, because they do profiles and shit on stuff like this, and they thought it was a man because of the cigarette butt, and that the fact that uh, women were killed, things like that. Yeah, but women are vindictive as fuck. This could just have been one of their friends that was pissed off at them. It wasn't. How do you know? Because I'm about to tell you why. Oh. Actually, you're going to tell us. Yeah, I know. (laughs) This got confusing. This is my part now. Fuck. It was at this moment they realized they fucked up. Well, let me just read this like none of that happened. But on September 27, 2005, nearly a year after the women's deaths, a fucktard called Eric Koppel turned himself in. Are you sure that's Eric and not Erica? It's Eric. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a dude. We established it. Eric was a 26-year-old who was married to Adrian's friend Lily. No motive was ever officially put forward for these murders, with Koppel himself being unable to explain what drove him to carry them out. However, it is believed that Eric had become jealous over the close friendship that had developed between Adrian and his then fiance Lily. They worked together and often socialised together, something that Eric may have seen as a threat to his relationship. Because he was a weak-ass little bitch. Mm-hmm. So he didn't say why he did it, but he did say why he turned himself in. He was afraid that he was going to get caught. Fucking weak. And this case would have gone cold had he not turned himself in. That's the hilarious part. What a douche one. Mm-hmm. Next up. On October 31st, 1974, a man called Ronald Clark O'Brien took his two kids out trick-or-treating. Ronald's neighbor and his two children also accompanied them. After visiting a home where the occupant failed to answer the door, the children grew impatient and ran ahead to the next home while Ronald stayed behind. He eventually caught up with the group and produced five giant pixie sticks. Have you seen those, Dan? Do they sell giant plastic tubes of sugar in England? No, they're too poor to afford sugar in England. Have you never seen Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? Yes, I've seen Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Well, then you know. Really, though, I'm unfamiliar with pixie sticks, but I can imagine, and yes, we have giant tubes of sugar. Willy Wonka usually hand delivers them. Dope. Anyways... So Ronald said that the owners of the last house eventually made it to the door and handed these monstrosities over. And the kids were excited. So at the end of the night, when they were all home, they each had a giant pixie stick of their own. Both of Ronald's children, Timothy and Elizabeth, got one, and so did the neighbor kids who were out with them. The fifth pixie stick was handed to a random kid that Ronald saw while out trick-or-treating. It was some kid I guess they knew from church. Gross. So before bed, Timothy asked his dad if he could have a piece of candy, and so Ronald said he could choose only one. So of course, Timothy chose the Haasen Great Tube of Sugar, and he ate it. And then he immediately began to complain that his stomach hurt and ran to the bathroom, where he began vomiting and convulsing. 
Ronald grabbed his boy and rushed him to the hospital, but Timothy died on the way there. <laughs> That'll fucking learn you, you greedy little shit. Timothy's death from poison Halloween candy raised fear in the community. Numerous parents in the surrounding area turned in candy their children got from trick-or-treating to the police, fearing it was laced with poison. Won't somebody please think of the children? Also, sounds to me like Ronald had had enough of the kids. He caught up with them, right? So he had his massive tubes stashed in a bush, giggity, and gave them to the kids, claiming they were from this dude's house. Shit, maybe he had some beef with the people at the house. Well... The police did not initially suspect Ronald of any wrongdoing until Timothy's autopsy revealed that the pixie sticks he had consumed was laced with a fatal dose of potassium cyanide. Four of the five pixie sticks O'Brien claimed to have received were recovered by authorities from the other children, none of whom had consumed the candy. Aww. The parents of the fifth child became hysterical when they could not locate the candy after being notified by the police. The parents rushed upstairs to find their son asleep, holding the unconsumed candy. The boy had not been able to open the staples that sealed the wrapper shut. Weak little dickhole. And being weak saved his life, Daniel. Potassium cyanide can affect you when breathed in and may be absorbed through the skin. Little Timmy straight ate that whole tube. Just on contact, it can irritate and burn the skin and eyes with possible eye damage. Breathing potassium cyanide can irritate the nose, throat, and lungs, causing sneezing and coughing. Not sneezing and coughing. High exposure can cause headache, confusion, dizziness, anxiety, pounding of the heart, and even unconsciousness and death. And little Timmy ate a whole tube of it. Ronald was acting really sketchy when he was showing the cops all of the houses that they got candy from that night. He kept misremembering which houses were which, and he finally ended up pointing the finger at the house he told his neighbor and the kids where he got the pixie sticks from. The couple that lived there had not even been handing candy out that night. It was the house that didn't answer, and Ronald stayed behind to pull out the hidden pixie sticks he had on him the whole time they were out trick-or-treating. Called it! Like, for real though, I typed my part before I read this far down. You can just call me Shirley for the rest of the episode. Who? Shirley. Shirley Holmes. Turns out, Ronald was about $100,000 in debt. He had a small life insurance policy out on his two children. And a month before Halloween, he had increased the worth of each policy by about twenty grand. So he was going to poison his kids to pay off his debts. Why the fuck would he poison his neighbor's kids and some random kid on the street? Hmm, maybe to try and cover up the fact that it was him. He thought he could get away with it if other kids died along with his own children. That's kind of fucked up. Timmy! 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 R.I.P. little dude. Yeah. Maybe don't be such a greedy little shit. Maybe if you're just eating a little bit of that candy, you'd have survived. But you fucking scarfed it all down, didn't you? So, if you want to go there, if he would have picked a piece of chocolate instead of the pixie stick, then maybe the other kids would have woken up in the morning, and they would have all ate the pixie stick, and Timmy would have survived, but there would have been four other dead kids. So, it's like that conundrum where, you know, you... Never mind, I'm not going to go now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's where I... 
would be saddened by more children dying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, on March 31st, 1984, shortly after midnight, O'Brien was executed by lethal injection, which, ironically enough, will typically include potassium chloride. So no cyanide, but still a not-so-healthy dose of potassium. His last meal consisted of T-bone steak, medium to well done, so proof the guy was a fucking psycho, <laughs> french fries and ketchup, whole kernel corn, sweet peas, lettuce and tomato salad with egg and french dressing, iced tea, sweetener, saltines, Boston cream pie and rolls. Man, I wouldn't want to be around when his body relaxed as he died. The lethal injection would become a gas chamber too. Mm-hmm. What would your last meal be, Dan? Dutch stuff. Dutch stuff and English stuff that I can't get in your wonderful country, Autumn. So, black pudding from England, pork pies from England, um, everything from the snack bar in Holland, like croquettes, which I know you love because I've made them for you. Mm. Uh, bitter balls. I know, oh, you, I know you love my bitter balls. Bitter balls in my yeah. mouth. Yeah, probably a lot of uh, salty licorice because I know you love that too. Um... What else? Yeah, everything from the snack bar, like cheese souffles, which are not the souffles that you envisage. Mm-hmm. Uh, satay rolls. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the stuff that I can't get here, basically. What about you? One of everything on the Taco Bell menu. You're fucking white trash, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> Two reasons there. First reason is because I've been eating Taco Bell since I was in the womb, so why not go out eating Taco Bell? Second reason, so because I can just shit everywhere when I die. Yeah, because that wouldn't happen anyway. I mean, it would be even worse. Good God. <laughs> if only you guys knew. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just horrendous. Okay. So this case and the subsequent trial garnered national attention and the press dubbed O'Brien the Candyman. And he is the reason that, to this day, parents are obsessed with finding razor blades and ecstasy tablets in their kids' candy. Wait, what? I didn't know people put molly in candy. Can we go trick-or-treating? Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we? One more? One more what? Story. Oh, okay. Will there be blowing hookers? Maybe. Halloween, 2012. What date was that, Autumn? Really? Oh, yeah, okay. 24-year-old Rebecca Gay (laughs) vanished from a small town in Michigan. Was it called Halloweenton? Yes. Huh. Her soon-to-be stepfather, a man called Pastor John D. White, prayed to his fellowship for her safe return. A pastor? Okay, I'm just going to say he did it right off the bat. Ha! Spoilers! He killed her. Pastor White was actually an ex-convict who had turned to God. I am fucking good at this shit. Yes, you are, Shirley. Yes, you are. White served in the Navy and worked as a long-haul trucker in his younger days. His first known violent attack against a woman occurred in 1980 when he was 22 years old. Was she a lot lizard? Maybe. Sweet. So White lived in Battle Creek, Michigan at the time, and he was married. I used to drive through a place in Scotland called Battle Dykes. Yes, plural. Battle Dykes. 
to buy weed back in the day. Battle Dykes! Battle Dykes! That would have made a great show, wouldn't it? I mean, it was called Xena Warrior Princess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the fucking funniest thing you've ever said on this show, dude. Oh my god. Wow. (laughs) Well done. Well done. Everyone, round of applause for Autumn. (laughs) Good job. Good job. Well done. Anyways. So back to Pastor White. One day, he invited a 17-year-old neighbor named Teresa Etherton to his basement to check out the stock car racetrack he had set up. Without warning, White attacked the teenage girl, stabbing her 15 times and choking her. Part of that sounds fun. But Etherton survived the brutal assault and White was arrested. He was sent to prison, but he appealed and won on the grounds that his attorney did not raise an insanity defense. How the fuck does that work? I don't know. So you get let off because there was no insanity plea? Yeah. What the fuck, man? I don't know. White was released from prison in 1983 after only two years and was given two years of probation and mandatory mental health treatment. Wow. What is this, Norway? (laughs) If you'd like to know what Dan's referring to here, check out our last episode. In July 1994, 26-year-old Vicky Sue Wall disappeared from Comstock Township in Michigan. John D. White was still married and now had two children and another baby on the way. White worked a maintenance job at a textile company where he met Vicky Sue and the two had an affair. Surveillance video from a grocery store parking lot showed Vicky Sue Wall getting into a black pickup truck with a bearded man at 3am. It was the last time anyone ever saw her alive. Six weeks later, Wall's body was found dumped in a rural area two miles from the grocery store where the two were captured on video. Her body was so badly decomposed that police could not determine a cause of death. She was naked except for a shirt and bra around her neck. White refused to talk with police or take a lie detector test. And we all know that lie detector tests don't work. Why do we know that? Because they just measure your fucking heart rate. That's it. That's all it does. It doesn't detect lies. And because I'm not in prison. A luminol test of White's pickup truck showed evidence of blood in several areas, but the evidence was severely limited. Was the chick not just on the rag when he banged her in his truck? Due to this lack of evidence, White agreed to plead no contest to involuntary manslaughter and received an 8-15 to 15 year prison sentence. While behind bars, White admitted to a prison psychologist that he had violent fantasies about wanting to kill and have sex with women's dead bodies. He served more than 12 years in prison and was released in 2007. Once free, he then migrated north, found religion, and became a pastor at the Christ Community Fellowship Church in the town of Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And a few years later, White was living in a trailer park 11 miles west of Mount Pleasant and was engaged to Sally Gay. You're so immature. In the weeks leading up to October 31st, 2012, he began to have bizarre fantasies about having sex with dead women. Bizarre. Who has those? Speaking of which, little side note here. Did you know before we watched the Dharma show with uh, with sexy guy that you like on Netflix, did you know that his dad actually had those fantasies too? 
No. Wasn't that an interesting thing? I mean, like, mental illness can be congenital, it can be passed down, it can be hereditary. Yeah. I, I get that. But to have those very same fantasies, that's that's a strange thing. I, I, I would assume it's based in truth, but... I, yeah, that, that confused me a little. Maybe that just confirms that necrophilia is a mental illness and not a kink. <sighs> that's, I mean, that's an interesting question, but fuck, man, I don't know. I mean, then you get into the realms of saying, well, you know, things like fucking necrophilia and paedophilia are, are no different than, than, say, homosexuality. Homosexuality is not a kink. No, Exactly. Exactly, you're born with it. So, like I say, then you're getting into the realms of saying, well, you know, is it a paedophile's fucking fault or a fucking necrophile's fault if they're born with it? So that's that's a that's an interesting fucking topic and perhaps something we should talk about another time. But Maybe. that's 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 a deep one and a dangerous one. And that's pretty fucking terrible. Isn't All right, it? moving on. You know, I mean, is it congenital or hereditary that you like getting pissed in the face? That's a kink. Oh, okay. So, in the early hours of Halloween, after drinking several beers, White walked to the mobile home of Rebecca Gay, the daughter of his fiance, in the same trailer park he lived in and entered the dwelling. White attacked Gay, hitting her in the head repeatedly with a rubber mallet until she was unconscious. A rubber mallet? Holy shit. Like, I want you to die, but not too quickly. (laughs) He then tightened a zip tie around her neck, strangling her until she was dead. Gay's three-year-old son, Conway, was in the next room of the trailer. White then dumped Gay's lifeless body in a ditch behind some pine trees about a mile from her mobile home, and that's fucking lazy. Right? It's a fucking mobile home. You could have just stuffed it underneath. (laughs) Gross. After disposing of the corpse, he returned to Gay's trailer and looked after her son. He then dressed Conway, not Twitty, in his Halloween costume and dropped the oblivious boy off to his father at a grocery store parking lot. When Rebecca Gay did not show up for work that day, her co-workers reported her missing. Police searched for the young woman and White made his plea to the members of his church to pray for her. What a dick. The pastor was picked up by police and taken in for questioning. Investigators tried to appeal to White and told him that Gay's body would deteriorate and decompose in the cold, wet weather. A day later, John D. White, the killer and church leader, admitted to police that he had killed Rebecca Gay and he gave them the exact location of her corpse. White told authorities that the murder had been fueled by pornographic videos that involved necrophilia. He added that he didn't remember if he had sex with Gay's dead body, even though he had removed all of her clothes. He probably didn't want to admit this one because he didn't want to be remembered for liking gay necrophilia. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Armed with his admission... Authorities were determined to put John D. White away for the rest of his life. In April 2013, the 55-year-old White was sentenced to 56 years in prison. Only four months later, on August 28, 2013, White was found hanging in his prison cell just after 4 a.m. 
Prison officials attempted to revive the convicted killer, but it was too late. White was dead at the age of 56, and he left behind a legacy of hatred and violence towards women. Well, that wasn't a very gay story, was it? It was veritably ungay. That was the least gay story I've heard in a while. I bet the gay family was not very gay at all after all this happened. Imagine having the last name gay and hearing the same fucking joke for the rest of your life, and then people still joke about it even after you've been brutally murdered. What? What's the joke, Holden? It was, like, not gay at all. I, I mean, honestly, I'm feeling pretty not gay after hearing this story. <sighs> Happy Halloween! Get your fucking pumpkin carved so Stingy Jack can do stuff to your buttholes. Wait, what? What's he going to do to our buttholes? Will it involve his turnips? <laughs> I think if this has to happen, I'd rather he uses a parsnip. It's far more <laughs> ideally shaped. Or a shallot. What the fuck? <laughs> Just stuff some shallots in there. We'll be good. I mean... If you're offering or challenging me, then, I mean, yeah, let's go do it. Let's put some shallots in your butthole. Oh, no, we're putting shallots in your pee-pee hole, because that's what you want to do. <laughs> I mean, he might use a parsnip, but he won't spit on it first. Owie. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. If you like us, you can come support us on Patreon at Seven Circles Pod. We are an indie podcast, and without your support, we would not be able to do this thing that we love. Everything was written, produced, edited, and mixed by us, Autumn and Dan. Thanks to Caroline Gates for the artwork and Null Machine for the music. If you have anything to say to us about this episode, come say hi to us on the social medias. We are currently on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Seven Circles Podcast. That's the number seven, not the word, plus circles like the shapes. Seven? And circles. I've got really dry lips. My lips are so dry. You are your lips dry, Autumn? You want some chapstick? Are your lips dry, Autumn? You want some chapstick? No, come here. I'll, I'll, I'll dweef in your dry vagina. I don't, do I want, oh. No, come here. No. no come here. Oh, it's fucking watermelon flavoured. Mm-hmm. Come here. <laughs> I need more. No, no. I don't like watermelons, but I like watermelon flavoured stuff. I like your melons, baby. Cough drops are like chapstick for your throat. Okay, so in just a moment, we're going to talk about all of Autumn's 40 years worth of Halloween costumes. Oh, is that what we're doing? And and probably a couple that, that I had that went outside of Hunter Thompson. But um, before that, Autumn's going to regale us with a beautiful song. Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see this our town of Halloween. This is Halloween. This, this is, is Halloween. Halloween. Pumpkins scream in the dead of night. This is Halloween. Everybody makes a scene. Trick or treat till the neighbor's gone. Die of fright. It's our town. I already lost it. I have no... I am the one hiding under your bed. Teeth ground sharp and eyes glowing red. I am the one hiding under your stairs. Finger like snakes and spiders in my hair. This is Halloween! This is Halloween! 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 Halloween. Halloween. In this town we call home. Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next surprise. Round that corner.
man hiding in the trash can. Oh my god! Something's waiting now to pounce and rule and sit. Uh, <laughs> say it once, say it twice, take a chance and roll the dice. Ride with the moon in the dead of night. Everybody scream, everybody scream in the town of Halloween. I am the clown with the tearaway face, here in a flash and gone without a trace. I am the one when you call who's there. I am the wind blowing through your hair. I am the shadow of the moon at night, filling your dreams to the brim with fright. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 Okay, that's enough. Okay. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, you're fucking welcome. So, tell us about some of your costumes, Autumn. Um, I had a pirate costume for a really long time that That's I wore original. a lot. No, but um, it was all, it wasn't like some shit I bought at Walmart. It was like actually shit I bought at the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> oh, well then. So it was like the shit you could buy at Walmart, but, but it was like 10 times the price. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Um, I was the Queen of England, but the Doctor Who version. I don't know what that means. Okay. Um, and, uh, let's see, I've been a zombie bride, a zombie prom queen, um, hmm, what else, what else, Ninja Turtle, oh, I was- You were a Ninja Turtle. I was a Ninja Turtle, and then I Which was- Which one? Michelangelo. Oh, I was okay. also that's... April O'Neil, and that's another costume my mom made for me. She found me a yellow jumpsuit, and she made me a, because April O'Neil in the cartoon was like- uh, a reporter, so she made me like a video camera out of cardboard and foil once again. Oh, so she did make a camera, and then you didn't take she any did. fucking pictures. No, God no, damn it. No. But that's that's pretty cool, though. I mean, <sighs> am I upset that you were Michelangelo? No. I mean, am I happy that you weren't Leonardo? Yes. <laughs> but am I happy that you were Michelangelo? It's a little bit fucking basic, Autumn. But <sighs> I mean, yeah, it wasn't Leonardo, so I'm so- I'm not upset. I mean, Raphael was actually my favorite. Raphael's the fucking bomb. Yeah, he's got fucking attitude. Yeah, he fucking does. Yeah. You remember the old movie, right? The first live action one. Oh, yeah. That shit was fucking rad. And honestly, though, what's weird about that, as much as I fucking hate Leonardo, his, like, one little fucking excerpt of his is the only bit that I really truly remember from that movie, where, like, they're, they're in a... It's just before Raphael gets gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all... Or, does he get kidnapped or does he just go fuck, piss off because he's pissed off with fucking he Leonardo? He pisses but, off and then he gets kidnapped. Anyway, they're all like in this fucking loft in this building fighting the fucking foot soldiers. And like one of these fucking foot soldiers, like Leonardo's there and he's like, he's swinging his sword at this guy's head and he's kind of like faking it. And every time he swings his sword, like the foot soldier like ducks his head out the way and then he... He doesn't swing the sword one time. And the fucking foot soldier puts his head back. And Leonardo goes, gotcha! And lops uh. his head off. <laughs> now, I don't think you see the head lopping because it was oh, a no. kid's movie. Yeah. But that's really the only part of this movie that I remember. But I fucking hate Leonardo. What a cunt. That guy was a dick, man. When you're the leader, you got a lot of responsibilities, man. It makes you super, like, anxiety-ridden, like you know? Like, fuck. Yeah. It's It's... Like having fucking kids. Yeah, I'm a manager. Exactly. I'm a manager. <laughs> yeah. I hope no one listens. I hope no one on my team listens to this. But it's it's literally like managing a fucking team yeah. of toddlers, man. Same. It's like oh my fucking god. I am also a manager, and I also manage a fucking team of toddlers who are grown people. 
Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Mm. So, um, one time, one time, I was Hunter Thompson, but it was after he died, so I, like, put a little gunshot wound in the side of my head. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I mixed that shit up, <laughs> man. Yeah. Can you be a zombie Hunter S. Thompson this, this year, please? That's kind of what I was going for, but again, I, I don't like face paints, man. I don't like that grease paint all over my fucking... We don't have to use grease paint, dear. Uh, what, you just, what, you just want to murder me and then no, like, well, yeah, revive me to. somehow. Well, we can just use regular makeup. Okay. Yeah, I still don't like it, Autumn. Um, and I do remember one time, and I can't remember if this was in England or in Holland, mm -hmm. exactly what age I was or the circumstances, but there was one time I remember having a skull mask with curly green hair and a black cape and like a black hood. Um, my mum could probably tell me when that was and, and well, actually no she probably couldn't man she can't fucking remember two weeks ago anymore but you know um she can't remember that one time where like i didn't want to eat my peas so i just threw them all under the dining table and then she made me fucking pick them all up put them in a bowl and eat them all covered in dust she fucking denies Jesus it to, she denies it to this day yeah now, does that explain why i am how i am you should have fucking ate your peas bitch <laughs> I mean, yeah, I suppose I should. Oh, so tell us about more of yours. Um, my purge costume was pretty good. It was pretty simple. I just bought a badass mask, and then I walked around Texas with a fucking machete on my belt loop, and it was awesome. Yeah, that was a good one. I've I've seen that picture. Um, and I saw your pirate one too. It was pretty cool. I mean, you know, if you want to, you can just fucking totally ignore the one that's like right to your left on the wall above us right now well oh that was just an impromptu like face painty thingy oh yeah there was that one time where i made you look like a candy skull and it was fucking rad yeah. but yeah just ignore that one that's yeah. cool you know i don't right. i might not like face paints on me but i'm pretty fucking dope at applying them on other people mm. what do you mean mm, look at that look at it that's a fucking, that's a good fucking, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, it was well executed. I just wasn't, yeah. it was just like a, hey, I'm going to do a thing. And we did a thing and that was it. And then I licked your face outside of the, what is that? County, uh, County Brewing? County Brewing? What does DCB, that say? Denton County Brewing Company. Denton County Brewing Company. I don't think that place exists anymore. It doesn't? I don't think so. I mean, it wasn't very good, was it? It was fun. Yeah. Had some good karaoke nights there. I licked your face there. Yeah, you apparently, did. if yeah. we have photographic evidence on the wall mm -hmm. right next to us. Mm -hmm. That's so, it. Yeah. Again. Anyway, this is Halloween. This is Halloween. Everybody have a good Halloween. Goodbye. It, it, it is actually Halloween though. Wait, wait, wait. What? What's the date today? Is it Halloween? It's not Halloween till Monday. It's not. Ah, oh, it's not Halloween till fucking Monday. God. Damn it. Yeah. But there's still a bunch of motherfuckers running around trying to trick or treat outside tonight. And yeah, so I'm just going to feed them ale with uh, Molly Razor and Razor Blade. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Dan Can has the beardy. How big do you think a goat's anus is? Fuck. It depends on how long you've fucked it for. It depends on how many eggs it's laid, I suppose. Anyway. Take it easy. See Bye. you later. You sexy bastards.